Well, hello. Didn't see you there. Welcome to Thingamajigs, the exciting history of mundane things. I am Ben. And I'm Danielle. Changing it up over there. We didn't get those long O's. Oh, did you miss it? You want me to start over? Nope, nope. <clears throat> All right, good. we're starting over. Hello! And welcome to Thingamajigs. Exciting history of mundane things. Ben. What's up, buddy? I'm feeling kind of tired. It is a dreary, rainy day. Should I stop the recording? We just go take a nap? No, no, no. I've got, I've got a mug here, and this mug is full of energy. Like nuclear, thermal, potential energy. You no. got a bunch of like springs in there. No, no. It's a, it's, it's a beloved drink. Loved by almost everyone across the world. Actually, I don't have anything in my mug. I have a mug, but it's empty because Ben won't let me drink coffee while we're recording because he says that it makes my voice thick or something. I don't know, it's whatever he said, it was gross. Yeah, you're not allowed to have dairy while we record. That's the, that's the real issue. And I put a lot of dairy in my coffee. I love milk so much. One time I tried to make a glass of milk before recording and he made me not are you trying to make me sound like a bad guy see there's a lot of there's a lot of misconception and theory around what you are and aren't allowed to eat or drink before using your voice in a professional capacity for some people dairy actually enhances their voice but it's usually only if you have like a nice deep voice if you have a high-pitched voice like me right like some people who may or may not be present, the constriction of those high notes are obstructed by the dairy, and it sounds gross. Well, one thing all humans throughout the world have in common is waking up. Whether you are on a standard schedule for daytime working hours, or if you're a grave shift worker, we all have to wake up at some point. Not my grandfather, rest his soul. Oh. Most of us love sleep, and that arduous journey from slumber to wakefulness can be taxing. Waking up in the morning can be a dreaded task, unless you're one of those lucky people whose eyes pop open and immediately you're ready for another glorious day. Morning people, we don't hate you, we're just jealous. You know, I have, I have news for everybody. If you're really jealous of the morning people who just pop right out of bed, you can achieve that. It just takes practice. As soon as you hear that alarm go off, if you force yourself consistently to just jump right out of bed, it becomes a natural reaction. I've done this before. And then as soon as you wake up in the morning, you, you feel wide awake. I don't remember that lady's name, but she had a TED Talk and she did the 3-2-1 exercise where you count in your head. When you, when you first wake up, you count in your head 3-2-1, and when you get to 1, you bolt out of the bed. And she used it for all kinds of different tasks that she didn't want to do. She's very famous. I'm kind of sorry that I don't know her name, but I remember her theories. Good for her. Shout out the famous unnamed woman. But you know what makes getting up and sliding your body out from under those cozy blankets worth it? The sound of your coffee machine dripping that black gold that will soon be sliding down your throat, once again reminding you that life is okay and being a human is nice because we get to drink coffee every day. Can anyone relate? 
You people and your dirty bean juice. Hey, what are you talking about? You love coffee. Your grimy, hot bean water. We're going to get into it, but it is not really a bean. This topic is going to start with a legend, like a lot of our topics seem to. I feel like we need to bring legends back. Why don't we have modern legends? The closest we have are conspiracy theories. Those never have fun, whimsical plot lines. They're always something scary or bad. The ones with the lizard people are pretty whimsical. Not necessarily fun. Yeah, but they still err on the side of scary. Yeah. Points for creativity. Travel with me to somewhere between 800 and 850 AD. All right, let me grab the keys to the car. Okay. Jingle, jingle, jingle. We're going to Ethiopia, by the way, in case you need to plug that in. Yeah, well, hang on. I got to let it warm up for a while. I got the remote start, so click. Brim, 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 brim. Remote time machines. We don't even have time machines, but we're already thinking about the ways we can make it more convenient. ILS swapped it, so it makes a really nice exhaust note. So we're going to visit a goat herder named Kaldi. Goat herder Kaldi is finding it very hard to corral his animals. His goats were acting very strangely. He noticed they were acting overly energetic. They couldn't sleep, and some accounts stated they were dancing, which I very much enjoy that mental picture. So for the purposes of this show, the goats were performing the 1993 hit Macarena. If someone could animate for us a video of a herd of goats doing doing the the Macarena. Macarena... We will send you exclusive merch. How about that? Do we have merch? We don't. I will make the merch exclusively for them. Aw. Don't ask me how they got their hands on such an exclusive cultural movement of the 90s. Get it? Movement. Because dancing. Like a bowel movement? Because coffee makes you poo? (laughs) Yeah, I get it. But they did, and it was in perfect unison. Is that featured in the legend? No, this is this is this is personal lore that I'm adding to the dancing goats. They just said they were dancing. This is the new legend. The new international legend. Caldy, being so impressed with his goat's choreography, knew he had to figure out why his goats were so full of vigor and perfect timing. He discovered that they had been eating on a plant with small red berries. He rationalized that they didn't kill his goats, so it's probably safe to try himself. That is not a good rule to live by. Goats eat everything. (laughs) Oh, my goat ate this can. I guess I can eat cans. (laughs) Goats have been known to eat the siding off of houses. Low on cash? Rip the siding off of your house and give that a munch. Thingamajigs pro tips. And would you believe it? The power of the Macarena overtook his whole body, and he too joined the goats in the 1993 hit. Imagine someone looking down at this. There's no music, just a man swirling his hips about a field with his goats following suit. Nobody else would try those berries, I can tell you that. Nah, I kid. Most of the stories are not nearly as fun. Caldy notices goats are more energetic than normal, and he tries the same berries that the goats ate, and that was, that was pretty much it. Allegedly. We should probably cover this. Coffee is a fruit. It starts out as a little white berry, and when it's ripe, it turns red. It's kind of like a cherry. I think people call it um, coffee cherries. The debate takes place because we only consume the seed or bean portion, so once you get rid of the fleshy fruit part, is it actually a fruit anymore? 
But that isn't important to the history of it, so I'll let people who are smarter than me hash that out. So he gets a great boost of energy and decides to share what he found with a monk from the local monastery, where he explained how these berries give energy. The monk was not impressed, though he thought that the berries might be from the devil and the effects of them actually being evil spirits. The monk threw the berries into the fire and an exquisite aroma enveloped them. They quickly raked the berries from the fire and placed them in water, supposedly for keeping safe. The monk decided that nothing with such a wonderful fragrance could be evil and he drank it. Coffee was a big hit among the monks because it helped them stay awake during their very boring nightly devotions. That w- I'm not making that up. That was stated. I mean, they didn't say boring, but I, we all know why they needed the coffee. That's why every church ever, they all have coffee in the mornings. I know. I've always wondered that because Mormons don't drink coffee. So I've wondered what do they, because every church always supplies like a little coffee area. Do they have something else? I mean, I don't know what else they'd use other than cocaine, but I don't know how they feel about that. One true thing from this story is that we do believe that coffee originated in Ethiopia. From there, it spread to Arabia, where it was first used in 1450. That was a very ridiculous story. (laughs) It's a legend. He decided to throw it in the fire for some reason and then it smelled good so he put it in water to protect it and then he was thirsty so he drank it and that's how coffee was discovered i mean he probably drank it because it smelled so good have you ever smelled coffee also it would taste terrible he just pulled a bunch of ashes out of the fire and put it in a cup and drank it It couldn't have smelled or tasted good at that point. Just the scent of coffee hitting your olfactory could exorcise demons. That's a bold claim. The Arabs called coffee kawa, which is an old word in their language for wine. That word actually caused a problem for them because they mistook it for the word that it represented and they denounced it, which I find hilarious because what is the drink that people give you when you've had too much alcohol? Coffee. Red Bull? No. But it was all worked out and is a legitimate and favorite drink of the Arabs. Supposedly, they were consuming alcohol clandestinely, which is a no-no, but coffee substituted it and helped their sobriety, because Muslims aren't allowed to drink alcohol in case that was missed. I love coffee too, but it is not a substitute for my wine. My wine. They're trying to take my wine. The very first coffee shop in the world was located in Constantinople in 1475 and was called Kivahan. And let me tell you, coffee shops have not changed much in the hundreds of years that it's been. People gathered in them not only to drink coffee, but engage in conversation, play chess, listen to music, gossip, or catch up on news. The only thing they're missing from a modern coffee shop is Wi-Fi. They were often called schools of the wise, so coffee has held its pretentious nature for a long time. I guess there's a reason college students who change their minds about their majors in the middle of the night call up their friends and meet very dramatically for coffee. Later on, as these coffee houses spread, the ones in England would be called penny universities, which for the price of a penny, you could get a cup of coffee and have stimulating conversation. Sometimes I reminisce over a time when we had nothing better to do except spend hours getting dressed and just talk to one another. But the longer we do this show, the more I learn and knowing things really takes the romance out of ye olden times. 
For instance, like how these coffee houses were for men. I found one article saying they were strictly only for men, but I'm not sure if it was understood that they were for men or if they explicitly told women they couldn't come. Either way, uncool, man. Of course, it kept spreading and eventually found its way in Egypt and other parts of the Turkish Empire. From Turkey, coffee found its way to Europe. There was a Turkish merchant by the name of Edwards who brought the first bag of coffee to London where the first English coffee was made in 1652. And of course, it was a luxury item, as all new and exciting things are. And let's face it, I don't think anyone was worried about toppling tea from its pedestal. Not long after this, in fact, only six years later, it made its way to France. It was quite the pricey thing, though, at 40 crowns a pound. So, like, 40 kings and or queens had to come together and give them their crowns for a pound of coffee? No, it was a form of currency. It would equivalent about $100 today. But converting a currency that old, and especially one that didn't stick around long, is incredibly hard to estimate, so keep that in mind. Also, I should mention, at this time, brewing coffee consisted of boiling ground coffee in water and sugar in a pot. That mixture would be poured into cups, and you'd just have to wait and let the granules settle to the bottom. I guess it was fine until you got to the last sip. A little gritty. So gritty. Like toilet paper. Later on, they will improve their methods and eventually place the coffee in a thin bag and let it steep. I'm not actually sure if that was an improvement, though. I've tried that. It doesn't work that great. Put coffee in a tea bag? I've tried to put coffee in my tea bowls. In uh, a tea diffuser? Yeah. Yeah, it's probably not great. I was desperate. Yeah, we've all, we've, I think we've all been in a desperate moment where we really needed a coffee and we didn't mind chewing on some coffee grounds. <laughs> Back when I consumed a lot of caffeine Obviously, you that comes with side effects, and if I didn't drink coffee, I would get headaches. I would make coffee dips, so I'd get a pinch of coffee grounds and stick it in my lip and wait for the headache to go away. Very classy. There's definitely some sniffing cocaine out of the carpet behavior with coffee <laughs> drinkers. Coffee was met with some suspicion, or maybe it was just fear. But some Europeans called it a bitter invention of Satan. Harsh. I know. There was some controversy in Venice about it. Clergy were so besides themselves that Pope Clement VIII had to get involved. He decided he would try the drink for himself before making any decisions. He was so satisfied by the drink that he gave it a papal approval. One account said he named it a Christian drink, which part of me wants to say, yeah... Holy bean juice. Holy bean juice, Batman. The other part of me says, well, hold on. That is quite brave of you to just abscond with a whole new drink and claim it for your own. So the way that some of these coffee plants spread was amazing and somewhat scandalous. In 1714, the mayor of Amsterdam gifted a young coffee plant to King Louis XIV, and he ordered it to be planted in his royal botanical garden in Paris. And in 1723... A naval officer obtained a seedling from that same plant. It was a horrendous voyage with a saboteur who tried to destroy it and a pirate attack, but he managed to get it to Martinique. That seedling thrived and created over 18 million coffee trees throughout the next 50 years. Brazilian coffee is pretty famous, thanks to a very handsome Francisco de Melo. 
He was sent to France to get coffee saplings, but the French were not interested in sharing, but the governor's wife was so taken with him that she gave him a large bouquet of flowers, and guess what was tucked inside? Her phone number. Probably the 18th century version of her phone number. It it was enough coffee seeds to start their billion-dollar industry. He must have been gorgeous. In America, we were tea-drinking machines. That changed, of course, in 1773, when we revolted. Giving up tea and drinking coffee instead was seen as a patriotic duty. A duty to your country, of sorts. And it forever steered our culture towards being a coffee nation over a tea nation. I have a quote here from Thomas Jefferson. Coffee, the favorite drink of the civilized world. Which, if that wasn't a knife in Britain's unfeeling heart, because their whole deal is how posh they are. Teddy Roosevelt was said to have coined Maxwell House's slogan, good to the last drop. And seeing as he was rumored to have drank a gallon a day, that was a lot of good drops. Coffee people, you have a problem. By the 1960s, there was a new emphasis on specialty coffee, inspiring the first Starbucks in Seattle in 1971. And probably the birth of the first hipster. Coffee plus Seattle is perfect recipe for hipster. I would like to close with a quote from John Crawford in a paper he wrote for the Statistical Society of London in 1852. It can hardly be denied, but the consumption of tea and coffee, and I will add to them another stimulant, tobacco, have contributed materially to the sobriety, decency, and even morality of the inheritance of this country. What was he trying to say? If you weren't drinking coffee and smoking a cigarette, you weren't a good person. If you want to be a righteous dude, you got to take up smoking. Let's remember that this was written in 1852. Do you have any PSAs? Be careful how much coffee you drink, because at a point, you might as well do cocaine. (laughs) If you're one of those people who obsesses over espresso, you worry me. Caffeine is a well-accepted drug. It's the only drug that you can consume at work and it not get you in trouble. Unfortunately, we had to not completely give up, but definitely pull back from our caffeine consumption. We are decaf coffee drinkers now, which most people will say, well, what's the point? And the point I say to you is that I love the ceremony of coffee. I want cozy mornings with hot cups of coffee. There's nothing better. There's nothing better than a, a, a cup of joe first thing in the a.m. Yeah, if, if you think there's no point in drinking decaf coffee, then I'd say what's the point in hot cocoa, you know? doesn't really provide you anything other than that it's a nice warm cup of yum. doesn't provide you anything except for a love to your soul. Exactly. It is pretty cool, though. I I encourage everyone to go on a caffeine tolerance break because sometimes we will have a caffeinated cup of coffee and oh my gosh, it's exhilarating. It's the only thing that kept us awake for 27 hours on the way to Utah. The second part of my PSA, if you're someone who struggles with anxiety, maybe cut back on the caffeine because that definitely makes things worse. I don't struggle with anxiety, but I do enjoy doing things together. And when you got off of caffeine, I decided to do it as well so that we could drink coffee together. Isn't that nice? Because the other part of the ceremony of coffee is... 
gathering with the ones you love. Exactly. Also, there are not nearly enough decaf coffee flavors. What is the deal? I investigated this. I sent emails to coffee companies and I was like, hey, why aren't there any fun flavors of decaf? And they all ignored me. So it's clearly some kind of conspiracy that we need to get to the bottom of. Consistent decaf drinkers are probably not a large portion of their market. With as many people that have said something along the lines of, what's the point of drinking decaf? I I can't imagine that they're that worried about us. Caffeine withdrawal is a real thing. Cutting back and getting off of caffeine was a little bit harder than I thought it was going to be because of the massive headaches. And you feel so groggy for a while, and then eventually it comes back. Your your natural energy comes back. Every once in a while, my mom would have to get off of caffeine for doctor's appointments. It was rough. It was a, it was a rough time in a household. My dad drinks a pot of coffee every day. And then he, not only does he drink a pot of coffee every day, but he spreads it out all day because he will drink it in the morning and then he will fill his thermos and bring it with him to work. And I believe he was having some kind of medical procedure done and they told him that, you know, you can't have any, anything by mouth after midnight. And so that meant that he couldn't have his morning coffee before going in for the appointment. And my mom said he looked like a shell of a man. He kind of just sat there with his head down his arms like folded and my dad is the most morning person you will ever know in your life he wakes up with joy in his eyes apparently it is all synthetic synthetic joy it's very sad yeah he doesn't drink or smoke or do anything else so let the man have his caffeine i know it's unpatriotic but i really like tea i would like to submit to our audience a question you dear listener How much coffee do you drink? Is it an unhealthy, obsessive amount? (laughs) Or is it a casual cup or two? Are you on the decaf train? You just drink hot cocoa in the mornings. We need to get on that boat. I wonder if it really matters how much coffee you drink versus how often. Because I only drink one cup in the morning, but I drink it every single day and I still had withdrawal symptoms coming off of it. Yeah, the consistency is a big deal. Your body decides that it's a normal thing and it should have those chemicals. And then whenever you take those chemicals away, it says, hey, something's wrong. Where's my chemicals? It throws a tantrum and gives you a headache that is not necessary at all. It's just mad at you. Well, it it thinks that the caffeine is a normal part of the body after you drink it consistently enough. So... The pain is your body saying, hey, you're deficient in something. There's normally a chemical here, and it's not here. Something's wrong. Fix it. So, you know, it's just trying to do its job. It doesn't know any better. If you're going to drink coffee, you do need to drink lots of water because it is a diuretic. It's going to dehydrate you. You have successfully made it to the end of this episode of Thingamajigs and another exciting history of a mundane thing. Don't forget to grab a goose. And a cup of joe. Side effects may include dancing the Macarena. Nah. <laughs> <laughs>